0: Hello everyone and welcome to a 2 Dyslexia podcast, uh, which has been kindly funded by European Social Fund and um, Education Skills Funding Agency. We have an amazing topic today and we're going to be talking to uh, Crispin Wilson, uh, who's a diplomat at Foreign Office, Commonwealth Development Office. Uh, Crispin will be sharing his journey of uh, dyslexia and why he thinks it's really important for um, workplaces to recognise people with dyslexia and do the best they can to support them. So today, Uh, We will have Crispin with us, like I said before, but before we go on, my name is Elizabeth Tetchy, I'm the founder of HY Dyslexia, All Things Dyslexia is the name of our podcast, and we felt it was really important to speak to Crispin this morning because dyslexia affects everybody across the world, I mean it's not just a UK issue or an American issue, dyslexia is in, in every community. And we just wanted to um, have Crispin today to speak to us about the work he's doing and why he feels it's really important to spread the news of um, dyslexia and, and support that there is available. Before we go on, I'd like to read a little bit about Crispin's um, autobiography. Uh, sorry, bio rather than autobiography. Let me correct that. So Crispin has worked for a foreign office for 15 years, working mainly on issues of conflict and crisis management in the Middle East. He has spent three years living in Turkey and is currently preparing for a placement in Warsaw, Poland and is learning Polish. Crispin was diagnosed with dyslexia when he was eight and went on to study material sciences at Oxford University. He's part of the Neurodiverse Network and Foreign Office championing for those with neurodiversity. Absolutely wonderful. Crispin, welcome to a 2 Dyslexia podcast. Uh, Tell you. us a little bit about yourself. I know I've just read a little bit, but it'd be great to kind of hear it from you, why you're so passionate to make a change. Uh,
1: yeah, a little bit about myself. Um, I, it's a great introduction and it's great to be here and it's great to to talk about um, what it's like to be uh, a... Uh, a professional in government working with dyslexia and um yeah so a little bit about my background i uh, i grew up um uh, in Winchester which is on the uh, in the south of england uh, i had a uh, a mum who was a, a gp um and uh, two older sisters um one of uh, one of whom was also is also dyslexic um and uh, as i was going through my education um it became clear that that uh, that that I was having similar challenges to those that that she was having. Uh, I was lucky enough uh, that my mum as a GP and a a, a specialist in in paediatrics and sort of family health uh, was able to recognise that uh, that what we were facing was uh, was a challenge related to dyslexia um, uh, and um, uh, to kind of start to, to, to help uh, schools and um, uh, and other places understand uh, what that meant um yeah, i was i was going through my sort of primary education uh, in the in the sort of mid to late 80s and then into the 90s uh, where dyslexia was 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 known um but i don't think it was it was uh, really understood exactly how to support dyslexic children so a lot of the challenges uh, that i faced and also my my big sister faced were were around um uh, it's sort of uh, helping teachers to understand the sort of the the different our um, sort of a, what they call a sort of jagged uh, performance profile for neurodiversity, where we, you're very good at some things and not very good at other things. Um, and I think what was really important was the, the sort of uh, uh, support I had from particularly from my mum um uh, who was able to kind of advocate on my behalf and say, no, you know Crispian is 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 a bright child. he just finds some things difficult. Um, and I think with that understanding and that support, I was able um to then to then move forward and to start to um do uh, to to do a bit better and to uh, at school and to i guess um start to show you some of my potential. Um, and uh, at school I really liked history um, and general knowledge I was really good at. I also really liked science um, and so, um, you know, those were kind of two tracks of what I was interested in. Uh, so through my school, I I, uh, I I kind of tried to keep those two things going. Um, as I was approaching things like GCSEs, um, it became clear that I I was uh, able to to go uh, ahead of some of my uh, of my peers and and study some sciences a bit early at GCSE and then at A level. Um, but also that gave me the chance to um, uh, to also study English at A level, which was sort of uh, the other part of of what I was interested in. Um, And I guess I've always been interested in concepts and ideas and understanding the world. Um, And uh, and then um, when it came time to choose uh, what I was going to do next, I I, um, went to university um, and uh, I decided to choose a science degree. Um, I think mainly uh, partly because I was good at science, but also partly because I thought, well. Uh, I want to get a job when I leave uh, university and if you do a science degree, you can kind of do anything. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be an engineer or if I wanted to go into something in, you know, government or politics. So I thought, well, if I do, if I do a science degree, I've got that technical background. I can pretty much do anything with it um, when I, when I leave left. So, so yeah, as I said, I did studied studied uh, um, material science and um, so really the science of how what, how, what, what things are made of, um, and how you use them in engineering and um, specialised in sort of biomedical sciences. So things like hip implants and hip implants. Um, really enjoyed that, but kind of got to the end of it and thought, you know what, science and engineering is not quite for me. Um, I enjoy it, but I've, I was more interested in current affairs and history and politics. Um, and I thought that was where I wanted to, to work. So applied for the foreign office Um, uh, at the time there are sort of two sort of streams there's a fast stream which is where you come in it's quite sort of high powered entry you come in um, uh, and uh, you're on a sort of very quick track through the first few years of the organization Um, and there's also sort of uh, sort of mainstream which is um, uh, sort of one level below um, uh, and a slightly slower pace Um, it's uh, very very competitive, particularly at the fast stream. And um, I, at, at age 22, didn't quite meet the level for the fast stream, but I did meet the level for one level below. Um, and so I thought, well, I'll get in, and I'll and I'll then work from work from then on. So yeah, um, and then. Uh, it's, in my career really I uh, started off working on international science policy and that was uh, that was because, um, uh, because of my background they, they sort of put me there wasn't quite what I wanted to do but um, it was a really interesting and, and good intro into foreign office and then I was able to choose what I did next and I chose to work on Syria and Lebanon um, and um, that was my first introduction to kind of Middle East politics and and uh, and um, uh, conflict issues. and it uh, I was kind of hooked at that point. Um, and uh, and then went on and chose to uh, to to uh, go on a posting in uh, Ankara in Turkey for three years, where where I uh, worked on Turkey's relationships with its uh, with its Middle Eastern neighbors. and that was just at the time of um, uh, of the Arab Spring. um so it was a fascinating time to be in in Turkey. Um, I think then um, then came back and, and worked on uh, worked on uh, worked on uh, Afghanistan and um, and then on Syria again and then most recently on crisis management. And now I'm learning Polish, so it's uh, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey.
0: Fantastic! What a beautiful introduction that is. Really, really amazing. Now, Christopher, tell me something. What made you want to come public to talk about dyslexia? Working in in, in common, you know, foreign Commonwealth Development Office. What made you thought one day I'm just going to put out a tweet? and and say, look, this is who I am and this is what I'm about?
1: Yeah, that's a a great question. Um, So I think my attitude at work um, had been to start with, I I never made a a secret of my dyslexia. I always um, declared it to my line managers. I think um, what I struggled with was to articulate exactly what I needed um, and um, exactly how it affected my work. So, uh, I think the Foreign Office, as it was, so for those that don't know, um, the organisation, uh, uh, two organisations recently merged, so the Foreign and Commonwealth Office merged with the Department for International Development to become a new department called FCDO. Um, so I will use the Foreign Office and FCDO interchangeably because I worked in one and then the other, um, uh, but uh, the organisation is now called FCDO, it covers Covers diplomacy and development. Um, So, uh, so yeah. When I when I joined, I I, you know I made no no um, uh, secret of my dyslexia, but I kind of felt well, maybe I can get a bit of assistive technology, maybe some you know text to speech software. But essentially, I thought my coping mechanisms are good enough that I can uh, I can just sort of get along with it. and I didn't really want to talk a lot about it, and I didn't really have the right language um, uh, to, uh, to talk about it. So, um, uh, so that's kind of how I kind of went along, probably for the first um six or seven years of my career. Um, and that was that was okay. And, and you know, um I was I did well. Um I think as I got a bit more senior and started to look at promotion, um, I started to think a bit more about how dyslexia might be impacting my work. But um, really, I only only really um, kind of crystallized all my thoughts on dyslexia in my most recent job um and so probably within the last two years i sort of came up with this presentation which i felt finally summed up what dyslexia was to me and um and and i gave the presentation to my um kind of department within what was the foreign office and uh, it went down really well so i thought well i could turn this into a twitter thread because i was sort of getting into twitter at the same time and um it, it kind of took off from there so yeah i've sort of become more and more confident about talking about it really
0: mm-hmm. yeah because there's not many people that really want to publicly come and speak about the dyslexia, the condition, because they may find that it might impact on their work or somebody might look at it differently. And I think really, I just really want to applaud you for coming, you know, for publicly speaking about uh, this condition that um, can, one, it can, you know, if somebody with dyslexia will like, excel to great things, but it, there is a downside as well, that if, if you haven't got the help you need in a workplace and so forth, it can cripple you. And I think I've been at both ends, you know um, And I think that is, that's been really amazing to to have seen that Twitter, I thought, wow. You know, we, we have to get crisping on our um, on our um, podcast just to kind of encourage more people. Just for our listeners, the title of this podcast is "Reaching Your Full Potential." And of course, during COVID nineteen, there's been a, lots and lots of challenges. And um, we you know we were kindly given this funding uh, from uh, the Educational Skills Funding Agency, and we're, we're working with. Um, we have a work uh, a workshop with which is all done online now, and some of them it's about people getting into work. know and how do I disclose my dyslexia in the workplace what help is there for me and I think it's great that you know we're speaking to you today just to let people know that it is possible you know there is hope out there now let me go on to my next question now Crispin what has been your main challenge for you as a dyslexic in a workplace what's one of your main challenges
1: yeah so I, I think um um uh working in government and particularly in kind of international relations um uh it's a very sort of paper-based um uh kind of way of working not so much physical paper but you know email text-based way of working lots of um lots of writing lots of um lots of email back and forth um you have to write sort of uh, uh briefing notes for ministers or maybe you have to re- write a reply to a parliamentary question, um, uh, you know, and um, uh, you have to be, maybe you have to write a sort of press line, um, uh, and all those require you to be uh, accurate and um, concise and, um, and you know, really kind of uh, um, aware of the impact of what you're, what you're writing, and I think, so there, there are sort of two challenges there, there's the taking in lots of information, and then there's the uh uh getting it back out again into the into the into the real world um uh through various means and then i guess the other thing is is how do you uh as i as i became more senior become a manager as a dyslexic so you know um being a a kind of uh desk level entry level person you have jobs to do but you don't have to sort of necessarily manage a lot of people or keep a lot of a ball spinning in the air but when you become a manager it's not just about you it's about your team and how do you um how do you keep track of everything um and i think those are the kind of been the big challenges that i have faced is is taking that information communicating it effectively and also um and also uh, kind of multitasking and keeping track of lots of different things all at the same time so how, how how do you actually get over that hurdle because i remember when i
0: was um in my sort of mid 20s or thirties, I think it was, I was actually, I saw that mainstream job that you're talking about, mm. you know, with the common worth, mm. and I think it was a big campaign that we're recruiting. And I remember that I really wanted to apply. But one mm. thing that put me off is, you know, the bulk of paperwork, I was thinking, how the hell do you get over that? Yeah. You know, and how do you do that? And for that reason, I didn't mm. even bother to apply for such right. roles, yeah. So um, how do you actually overcome those challenges? Because for me, sometimes you need to ask for help. And if you're a manager, could you keep asking for help? I'm wondering, you mm. could. But then how does that sort of make you feel in terms of self-confidence? How have you dealt with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, uh, so I think I think mm. uh, a few things basically um, uh, in terms of uh, what that's like. I th- the first thing to say is that the mm-hmm. Foreign Office and now the Foreign Commonwealth Development Office um, have the right policies and the right practices in place to support um, uh people with a range of disabilities mm. so um that that could be uh dyslexia or another neurodiverse condition um or it could be um uh, another another um, uh, disability and uh, i think that you know the civil service is very good at having policies and practices in place uh that support um disabled staff and i think that's something that they have really led on um and i think has improved over over the years as well so you know for example we have a specialist team that is there to provide support to um disabled staff and um, and help them with their reasonable adjustments so you know um, uh, the idea that uh, you uh, you ask for what you need to kind of help level you up with everyone else and then you 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 perform in the same way so I think that that's been a really good place to start um, uh, um, and then I, I think um, uh, really then it was it, it was also really helpful having the support of um, a dyslexia advisor like Joe Todd, um, and then um, uh, also, as I say, just starting to be able to work out how I talk about my own dyslexia. Um, and then I guess things, you know, there's the sort of um, there's there's the tech as well. Um, so I don't want to over- major on that because I sometimes feel everyone thinks the solution is technology, and I don't think it is often. But you know. Even in the last sort of three or four years, um, Microsoft has come out with a whole load of new kind of assistive technologies around read and write software, um, that kind of thing, which used to be very clunky and is now a lot better. And I think you know that that was all there on my on the IT systems as a standard, which is which is incredibly helpful, um, and um, and managers know uh, understand about the idea of reasonable adjustments and understand about that. So I think you know it's a good place to start, um, but really um every dyslexic um is different and everyone's needs are different so um really for me it was about finding a language to to express what i needed and to say look i'm good at these things i'm not so good at these things please help me you know for example um you know if i uh please don't send me an, an email if there's something really important with the detail of what you need buried right in sort of paragraph three to my team i'd say you know if you want to talk about so come and tell me about it, maybe then send me an email so I can then look back on it. But, you know, um, don't expect me to pick up tiny things within, within dense text, or, um, you know, if I have forgotten something, please remind me, it's not that I don't care about it, it just might be that my short term memory means that I didn't have a chance to write it down. And then it and then it went. So um, it's kind of helping people to understand what it means. And, and actually, what what's going on in your head when these things happen um, and and i think that's that's really important wonderful
0: now if anybody listening at the moment thinking i want to work for foreign commonwealth department office development office rather someone wants to apply what advice would you give them
1: so um i think the first advice is really to go for it um and um don't um don't uh, think it's not for you it is um and um you know take take the opportunity Um, provided you feel comfortable about it I would I would recommend disclosing your dyslexia throughout the recruitment process you can get things like reasonable adjustments like extra time or different um, display technologies for um, for for doing the there are some tests that go through that you go through so I think you know uh go for it do that um i think um the thing that uh, i would also focus on is uh you know try and work out what your strengths are and try and play to your strengths in the application process so um whatever those might be and then think about you know what bits you find harder and and how how can you um, what strategies can you put in place to maybe make sure that those don't trip you up too much? Um, right. and, um, and and I think that's also really important, so.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Because you actually champion, don't you? You champion for, for um, shall I call you a dyslexia champion, for the, the company you work for. In other words, you're bringing change, so you're the voice of the department you work for, I'm assuming, or oh, I could be wrong. Uh,
1: he, to a certain extent, I mean, I, I try not to be a, a spokesperson for every uh, dyslexic because I think everyone's different. What I've tried to do is is, is create a network um, of people that are on uh, a, a really a network of neurodiversity. So trying to link up because um, so many of these um, uh, conditions are are overlapping you know dyslexia with ADhD with autism with Tourettes or or other things. and so I think it's 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 better in some ways to talk about it and to talk about it in the positive, so I think one of the challenges with disability has been that generally it's been talked about in the negative, this is what I can't do, this is what is fine, I find hard and I think you know that's fine, but actually what is really good is when you can say look you've got these people in your organization that have this amazing untapped potential um, Let's go for it. And um, I've been really encouraged by the made by dyslexia campaign um, that Kate Griggs um, has has spearheaded and 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 I think that's really been able to recast dyslexia as as a as a strength. Um, and i've taken a lot of encouragement from uh other um you know organizations across government i already mentioned gchq but um uh if you google them and dyslexia you'll see all kinds of videos about how they use dyslexic staff to make a difference in their sort of critical national security um mission so um yeah i, I think um it, it's about starting to 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 talk about um dyslexia or neurodiversity difference saying look it's not just it's not that you have to you know these are people you have to put up with or they're going to make your life harder it's you need these people in your organization they're going to make your organization better um, and um uh, so let's talk about how we how we work together to make that Absolutely. a reality and
0: I totally agree with you on the fact that you use your strengths you know use your strengths to the best of your ability what you are good at keep driving for that and perhaps what is a weakness you ask for help and get someone to support you. And I know what that feels like with dyslexia, dyscalculia and having dyspraxia. I actually 100% get where you're coming from. Now, my last question before oh. we round out, what advice would you give to a uh, 10-year-old with well,
1: dyslexia? Um, I guess, I guess it's, a, it's, it's a pretty kind of uh, important time in life and you're kind of going through education and that kind of stuff. I mean, um, I think I think what I would say is, look, you, you your brain is wired differently um it's it's really really good at some things and it finds other things harder and that's not your fault that's not a failing on your your part that is the way that society is set up most people's brains are not wired like yours so the world is not set up for you and that that's hard and that can be hard at times but um uh everyone has strengths And I think what I would encourage 15 year old is to think about your strengths and your passions. What do you really care about? What motivates you? What do you want to do? And what do you enjoy doing? And I think dyslexics are often very good at, um, you know, driving forward their passions. So um, whatever you're passionate about. Um, uh, i would say you know try and follow that try and and um and and work or you know study what you're passionate about um and you know um and then and then work in what you're passionate about i know that's not always easy um and then you know also just ask for what you need and sometimes it's hard to know what you need but there there, there are plenty of resources out there and within schools or within colleges um you know Ask for an assessment. Ask for 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 reasonable adjustments. Don't be afraid to say I can't do this or I find this thing really hard. Um, uh, and also, don't be afraid to say to say what you want to do and what you need to do. But yeah, it's it's. Um, I think it is holding on to that i think one of the challenges with dyslexia is holding on to that self-confidence um because you can your confidence can get knocked at times and say you know actually no i'm really good at some things and you know uh, any school university employer would be lucky to have me um, and i'm going to talk about how how we can make this you know ha- how how i can you know how we can do the um how we can work together and how we how I can show off my strengths um, as best I can um, and yeah and and yeah just to sort of hold on to that idea that uh, you know it, what you have is a real difference that can be a huge strength um, uh, and um, you know kind of perhaps try and, and think of yourself in that way as someone with a different strength uh, rather than just something that needs to be overcome or got rid of or whatever it's part of you you wouldn't be you if you weren't dyslexic so um and that's why people you know that's why your friends love you that's why your family love you because because you're you so just um go out there and be you and ask for what you need when the rest of the world uh, doesn't quite get get where you're coming from <laughs>
0: Right, wonderful. That's absolutely fantastic. Now, you're learning Polish, aren't you, Crispin? Yes, at yes, the I moment. am, yes. Right, how's that going so far? And if, well, how is it going? And having dyslexia, learn another language, how has that been for you?
1: Yeah, yeah um, it's really, really interesting question. So, um, again, it's one of those like, things you always say is you don't want to speak for every dyslexic. And I know that for some dyslexics, learning a language is really difficult, um, and I don't want to diminish that. I I... I like learning languages. I've always felt I'm quite good at them. Um, so I did the, I did a few at school. And then um, one of the things that um, uh, uh, FCDO is really good at is supporting language learning. So when you go overseas, quite often, you'll get to learn a language or if you're working on a subject, you'll get to learn language. So in the time I've been working in FCDO, I've learnt Turkish. Um, I've learnt um, a little bit of uh, Persian and also Arabic. And now I'm learning um, Polish but um and um uh, so I enjoy it so that's a good thing you know I'm playing to my passion um uh, but um uh it's it is it is quite hard I've I've been trying to use as much assistive technology as possible so a kind of multi-sensory approach um you know things like flashcards um, electronic flashcards that have pictures and that have um, audio on them as well lots of YouTube videos um uh, understanding through stories and through experiential learning. So, you know, I, I live in, I live in, um, in, in West London, which has a lot of, uh, a big Polish, uh, diaspora. So I've been trying to go out there and speak a bit of Polish in some of the shops and restaurants, um, and just trying to do that, but it is, it is hard. And particularly cause I'm doing it all remotely because of COVID. So, um, it's kind of, um, me and my, uh, me and my, um, my teachers, but once again, I, I tried a lot more to ask for what I need. So, you know, in terms of how I want to learn, but also I've got some exams coming up next week, for example, and I've made sure that I've got reasonable adjustments, so extra time and um, a a kind of statement of of how I might come across in kind of any sort of um, uh, interactions, like oral interactions and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, So I think um, all of those things together, I've been quite good but it's um it's it's hard work as well um and i don't you know i never want to diminish how hard sometimes you have to work as a dyslexic to uh to make your progress so i don't want anyone to come away with the idea that i've breezed through everything um it can just be hard work at times and what i'm trying to learn is 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 how to be how to be um, kind to myself and to not expect too much of myself um, when I'm I'm trying to do something.
0: And to be honest with you, Crispin, I agree with you 100%. It's not plain sailing. We make it sound like, yeah, great, you know, dyslexia is a superpower. Go out there. It's a gift. Go and unlock your full potential. And then you sit back and think, actually, that's great, but how do I do this? And I 100% know where you're coming from. Crispin, thank you so much for being part of this amazing podcast, reaching your full potential. You have been absolutely phenomenal. The advice you've given us, where you're working at the moment, the encouragement that you've spoken about, people that want to be able to work for a diplomat, become a diplomat at um, Foreign Commonwealth um, Development Office. Perhaps there's hope out there and perhaps they can do it now. Perfect, thank definitely. you so much. Is there anything you yes. want to say? Yeah.
1: So I just just uh, I wouldn't be doing my job properly if I didn't do a sort of bit of a plug for people might be thinking, well, how do I apply? Um, And um, and so, you know, what I would say is just uh, um, uh, if you Google um, FCDO or Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office, and uh, working working for us, uh, then you will find a link to the pages and that will give you all the latest up to date uh, information. Um, And it's not just about being a diplomat. Now, of course, within FCDO, we also now cover development. So it's all things around international development, but also technical specialists. Uh, IT, um, HR, all of those kind of things. Um, so the, there's a huge amount out there, um, and please, you know, we'll try, hopefully we'll try and get some links into the uh, into the video, as uh, into the recording or below in the in the description, so that you can uh, you can go there. But please do um, do put yourself forward. Thank you so much, Crispin. Thank you
0: so much for joining us on all all things dyslexia. And again, like Crispin said, we'll put all the different contact details. If you want to apply for a job, the link will be there Um, and all the other things that one would need to unlock their full potential. Um, It's just been phenomenal. Thank you so much and um, keep up the good work you're doing and keep being such an inspirational to so many people. I'm so inspired by listening to your story. I can now say to a young 15 year old, yes, go and really go out there and, and spread your wings. Thank you, Crispin. Have a fantastic day.
1: The Aspire to Inspire Dyslexia podcast, All Things Dyslexia, is funded by the European Social Fund and Skills Agency. It's produced and distributed by Salt and Pepper Productions. Presented by Elizabeth Tashi.